How should organizations account for possible distributed denial of service attacks in their risk assessments? Hello, I'm Eric Chabro of Information Security Media Group. And to address that question, I'm joined by Peter Labar. He's a principal and director at the management consultancy, Booz Allen Hamilton. Welcome, Cedar. Thank you, Eric. First off, let's get right to the point. Is there a thorough risk assessment process organizations go through that outlines all the threats and vulnerabilities related to uh, DDoS attacks? Yeah, uh, so there's there's two parts to your question, Eric. First, we're seeing many organizations do a much better job of identifying the threat vectors, which is a great and, and needed first step. Where we're seeing these organizations uh, challenged is that they're not doing a great job in prioritizing them. The process of identification is often very subjective. It's based on feel, based on what they're seeing, uh, other organizations uh, in their sector seeing, and, and they're, they're using that as their primary prioritization mechanism. What we're seeing from leading class organizations, though, is they're starting to do a much better job at taking a scientific approach to the prioritization, calculating the likelihood of these attacks. Now, uh, the, the ranking is based on adversary preferences and decision trade-offs for conducting attack. We see these leading organizations using an analytical hierarchy process to prioritize these threat vectors. Now, Eric, this is nothing new. It's not something that's been invented in the security field. It's just a structured and proven technique uh, for an organiza organization to analyze complex decisions. What it does is it, it doesn't force fit you into one single absolute best answer, but rather uh, it allows you for uh, a range uh, that incorporates human factors in there. So what are the steps that, that organizations are taking in this process? Well, the, the first step is they're doing a, a better job of identifying and gathering the data around the cyber threats and actor profiles, essentially defining the anatomy of the attacks, uh, pulling from malware reports, threat assessments, forensics data, uh, and next, uh, in depth, uh, identifying the actor profiles, pulling from trends, um, status intents that you can get from open source, or other uh, threat intelligence capabilities, and looking at the actual capability maturity itself. Step two, then, is the characterization of these threats. This is where it starts getting interesting, where they're starting to look at the actual payoff uh, that they see the threat actors uh, hoping to get, looking at the confidence related to these uh, threat vectors, risk of detection, evaluating the risk of attribution, scope of retribution, uh, and then examining the tools and the techniques. From this data, then, you can start to imply this analytical hierarchy process that these leading organizations are doing. They do this by applying the weights or values uh, to each of these particular uh, characteristics. So both from a, a payoff of the attack as well as the confidence of the attack to be successful. They look at the cost, both from perspective of sophistication of the tools needed for the attack, sophistication of the adversary's tactics, techniques, basically the, the weight that's needed to actually get the attack to come off, and then calculate a value related to the risk. So again, back to the detection probability, look at how likely is attribution in the attack, uh, and then the scope of what the retribution can be, and then they calculate. And once you get these values, you actually can run the model, uh, and you produce prioritized threat vector profiles paired with a series of attack sequences. Now, going from DDoS, then you can see, building from that, you can start to identify not only where we see a high likelihood uh, of where we're going to be attacked, but also how we're going to be attacked. Okay, well, why don't you continue and tell us maybe what these organizations should do in accessing these vulnerabilities? 
any organization to go through that process that I just talked about. I think that they need to do a better job of identifying uh, not just the threat vector, but the characterization of the threat vector. I mean, we can't just all go out there and, and prepare for, you know, uh, high high bandwidth volumetric uh, DDoS saturation. It's just unrealistic uh, to to as a smaller mid-tier organization to effectively prepare for that. If in fact the threat's not there, so it it, it comes down to not just looking at the press, not just looking at kind of what the zeitgeist uh, of today is uh, around uh, threat actors, but actually looking at your particular business, looking at what's valuable to you, uh, and in light of that, where do you see the most likely threat vectors coming in? And then from that, of course, taking the, the, the necessary next step of not just identifying what they are, but actually looking across your capability suite uh, and identifying the, the the tools that you need, the controls that you need to actually be able to mitigate those preemptive threat vectors. So, so I don't think the answer is to say, hey, listen, everybody needs to go out there and chase DDoS right now. Um, they need to figure out what's right for their particular organization, company, or or, uh, or mission. So DDoS is just one threat among many that they're considering, obviously. It's one threat among many, and. Um, you know, it's it's kind of been the threat du jour, but that's that's what makes this space interesting as a practitioner, challenging uh, as a business leader, is you know overspending on today's piece. Um, while it's necessary to do due diligence, it can change tomorrow. So it it gets to you know some of the other questions that that you and I have talked about is you know in the past taking an approach where I prepare for everything taking an approach where I focus on my perimeter defense, taking an approach where I'm focusing on I've got 15,000 vulnerabilities uh, and i got to figure out a way to kind of mitigate all of them. You can't do that anymore. You have to create anticipatory intelligence capabilities. You have to recognize that the perimeter is no longer the defense posture that you need to invest in. You have to get away from just fixing the vulnerabilities and start to really understand what your attack surface is. Where are the bad guys most likely going to go after you? And as such, mitigate and, and prepare uh, in, in those areas. Does it make a difference who the bad guy is, a, a hacktivist, a criminal, a nation state? Yeah, sure. Uh, a- absolutely. We're seeing a proliferation uh, of tools. So at, at some level, you know, the ability for uh, almost anyone to go out there and get a, a pretty highly valuable uh, attack vector uh, is becoming more commonplace. But despite that, yeah, you, you do very much see a difference in the maturity uh, of nation-state attackers uh, who have considerably more resources. They have the ability uh, from a longer-term perspective to wage a campaign on you versus what I, I think we see more uh, in some of the other organizations is they're, they're trying for the easy wins. They're figuring out vectors uh, that you can go in pretty quickly, make an attack, make a splash, uh, and if it works, it's great. If it doesn't, I'll, I'll move on somewhere else to kind of make my point. So, yeah, I, I do think you're seeing a profound difference in, in who the actual actor is. As you look at DDoS attacks, are they sort of uh, camouflage for other kinds of attacks that might be going on at the same time, or are they basically there just to provide the kind of dis- disruption that we read about? Obviously, I can't, I can't answer that in, in full 
full disclosure uh, to, to compromise anything that we're seeing uh, with any individual organization. But I do think uh, that is uh, that's a good question to ask uh, as, as a CISO of, of any organization when you see something coming in. And unfortunately, uh, it does take a fair amount of resources now to combat some of these DDoS attacks. And so, yeah, I would, I would wonder. Uh, I would absolutely wonder if that's not a play that's basically getting me to look in one area uh, and allowing some other things to kind of come through. Now, that being said, again, when we're looking at our more mature, we're looking at a lot of the financial services institutes out there, they have disciplined comprehensive programs that I wouldn't be as worried about how you just asked me that. Now, when I get to smaller organizations, I get to sectors like healthcare that haven't traditionally had the investment. Yeah, any noise in the system is going to be a distraction that could open up another door. And obviously, if you do the, I guess, the proper risk assessment, uh, that could prevent you from being distracted by some of this noise out there. That's a great question, Eric. That's where you can take the lessons learned from what financial services has been doing in the last couple of years and essentially not waste your time. So, you know, I, I go back to getting away from the mentality of a perimeter defense, getting away from a myopic focus on just looking at vulnerabilities. Be smart about what you're doing. Focus on, on the intelligence out there that tells you where you could be attacked. Look at the attack surface itself and figure out how to protect that. You can do it a lot less expensively than financial services has done traditionally in the past. Well, thanks, Cedar. You're welcome. I've been speaking with Cedar the Bar of Booz Allen Hamilton. I'm Eric Chabro of Information Security Media Group. Thanks for listening.